Hey guys, it's uh, Andy here in another episode of the Mountain Malarkey Podcast with Dave. Hello everybody. How are we doing, Dave? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Got something a little different today. Very different, yeah. So what we've done is we realised that uh, when we do the Tuesday tune-in over on Facebook, um, which we've been doing during lockdown, we had some comments and requests around, um, you know, not everyone's on Facebook, but people still wanted to hear about the content. There's been some great stuff. We've talked about bags. We've talked about Battle of the Treks. We've talked about trekking boots, mindset, fitness, loads of stuff. And we thought to ourselves, well, why don't we turn these into podcasts? Because... Like you said, Dave, they're, they're sitting down listening for an hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, we've got a couple of we had a couple of special guests, didn't we? We had a new head of operations over in Nepal. Yeah, uh, Lee Wardle, Ironman triathlete, um, gym owner, and all around nice guy. Um, yeah, and there's there's so much good information and good content there that, and not everybody is on Facebook or yeah can sit there and watch a video for an hour and a bit doing nothing. So yeah, this is a great format. You can do it on the go, put it in your car, listen to it. It's a bit interactive, so you're going to have seen us answer questions and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, but if you're listening to this, obviously, yeah. um, and you have any questions about any of the things you hear, uh, podcast at evertrack.co.uk. Awesome, Dave. Yeah, enjoy the episode, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Yeah, all the best. Okay, let's go. Yeah, hey, everyone. It's um, Andy here and Dave from Evertrack HQ. Um, another Tuesday tune-in. And this week, I know, as always, um, we like to start off with a particular subject and then go yeah. into the, the regular Q&As. But if you have joined us, do give us a little thumbs up. Uh, do comment just to sort of introduce yourself onto the live. Uh, Chris, Sinead, Dave, Miko. Always great to see you guys on here. Um, Ever track? You obviously put this in your diary because you're always on it. Um, so, yeah, it's great to, to see you all again. And today is all about base layers. Yeah. Um, base layers. Dave, where do we start? Well, yeah, I think I think layering, really, right? Layering, you know, layering, just, yeah, the different layers yeah. we use on a high altitude trip, yeah, di- yeah, okay, yeah. It's only because um, you know the base layer is probably the most important thing that you wear on the trip because it sits next to your skin, yeah. so it does the hardest work of um, keeping you warm or keeping you cool. Um, but it forms part of like a, a system. Now, well, reason why we want to talk about it is we've had a lot of inquiries about you know what the rice. Uh, down jacket is and things like that and yeah. what we try and do is not only give a recommendation on a specific garment but also tell you like why it's useful and how you use it so you know how to get the best out of it because staying comfortable on the mountain is never comes down to one piece of equipment never if your down jacket is the only thing you've got to keep you warm um, it may not be sufficient if you get too warm it, you're going to sweat and it's going to have a counter effect so um, yeah layering base layers mid layers outer layers they're yeah. the main things we're going to talk about nice um yeah great to see some more people coming on mick um great to see you on here mate and uh happy birthday for the other day i hope you had a nice time uh david redding rob um always great to see some lots of ever trekkers on the live um guys i know lots of you are already on on previous lives but any questions just fire them away so me and dave got some questions uh, to answer our social yeti lauren is um manning the live as well or womaning the live um so yeah <laughs> um so yeah she'll be uh sort of forwarding any questions on to us just in case we have any tech issues like we've had um over the last couple of lives 
Okay, so start a base layers. Um, sorry, layering system. Yes, I, I, I don't know why I'm so focused on base layers because it's. Well, well, no, you're right to be because, like I said, it's, yeah. the, it's, the, it's the one thing that sits next to your skin, so it does. The, it's got the hardest job, you know. Um, now, it should like almost fit like really tight and hug the body. That means that any sweat that's being produced is immediately being absorbed, yeah, from your skin through the base layer and then into the into the world, you know. So it doesn't sit next to your skin. It makes a huge difference, you know. When we were um, going up Killy in February, I used yeah. some merino wool base layers. Yeah. They were brilliant, really, really good. I always use long sleeve ones, and I have I like the ones with the zip as well. Um, I noticed the chest hair lingering on the way up to Killy, Dave. So yeah, I noticed yeah. that. You know, it's it, have a little bit of a zip there, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, I like to channel my inner Hasselhoff, you know, and like pull the zip down, you know, as I'm going up the hill. But um, honestly, right. and most of the time, I just track in my base layer, so that's all I'll use during the day because I run quite hot. Um, but in my bag, I'll also I'll always carry a complete layering setup. So every day, yeah. I'll have the base layer on. I'll have like a lighter fleece usually in there, and then a rain jacket or a down jacket depending yeah. on where I am on the mountain. Um, and those three things is, uh, you know, a, a key really. And that was really brought into focus on Kilimanjaro because, uh, particularly on summit night, when we set off, it was dark, it was freezing cold. When we were on the top, it was freezing cold. And when we got back down to the bottom, it was like 28 degrees. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> I know. And that's that's the thing. I think, um, you know, I know you talked about Killy there, but anywhere in Nepal, where we go to Everest Base Camp, Island Peak, Mera Peak, high passes. Like you start off in the day and it's always the same. Like you, you know, we usually sort of start off about half seven in the morning, eight o'clock, you know, depending on how the group are. Normally we have kind of, um, you know, roughly that sort of time. And it's, it's it's cold because the sun hasn't quite risen over the peaks yet. You know, because don't forget where you are, the Himalayas, the peaks are, are so high. Um, you know, it does take an hour or so for the, the light to shine through. So it's still quite chilly. Um, so, yeah, you'll literally start in, you know, your, your warm gear. And within sort of 20, 30 minutes, next thing you know, you're kind of, um, you know, you're, you're taking them off and you're down to, you know, either your mid layer with a fleece yeah. or down to, to sort of your base layer or a T-shirt. Um, and you're right, yeah, it's good to pack for all weathers. I think um, one thing we've learned from sort of all, on all the trips is that it can be like the UK, um, whereas we, we can see all four seasons within an hour sometimes in the UK. Yeah. Um, you know, like I was on uh, the Glen Shield Ridge uh, weekend before last, and yeah, we literally saw, I think the first summit, because there's seven Monroes there. The first one, beautiful sunshine. The second one, a little bit cloudy. Third one, torrential rain. And then the next one, literally half hour later, was sunshine again. And it was kind of, you're on, you're off, you know, you're putting the jacket on, you're taking it off. And I think, yeah, when, you, when you're when on a high altitude train, you need to be prepared to be changing a lot like that. Um, yeah. And it does slow you down as well, I think, you know, which is a benefit when you're, when you're at high altitude to take your time. Um you know, which is, which is something we've, we we kind of focus on. Um, some people coming on here as well. I'm just going through. Any questions you can see? Oh, yeah, I think I think we should actually say before we go into the questions. And I think um, who brought it up there? I believe it was. Uh, I can't see who, who typed about it. But it, um, Lauren, uh, Lauren Fee, who is the Bimblin Yeti, she started yesterday. And she's um, hiding in the office somewhere. Um, she's actually yeah. in your room, isn't she, Dave? Yeah, I know Jerome has said hello to the Yetis and I think Yet Yetet. Yet why would you how would you say Yetets? Wow, yeah, that's really good. Would you say a Yetet for a female Yeti? I'm I looking at females for confirmation. 
<laughs> oh yeah, sorry. So I I should say that in front of me I have the yetets. <laughs> I'm looking for confirmation, but and I'm not I'm not. Um, uh, sorry, the question is how how would you like to be referred to? So uh, a yeti or a yetet? Okay, we're getting we're getting a thumb up from your tet from uh, from Lauren uh, Bimbler. What do you think? I think in the interest of equality, it should be Yeti. Uh, oh wow! Okay, so, <laughs> wow. so, so like, so like actresses and actors anymore. Actresses are actors now. Okay, so we've got two conflicting opinions here. I think the only way the the, the Yetets and the Yetis. You 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 be <laughs> careful how you say that. <laughs> um, I have Betty the Yeti, so. I think yeah, I think yeah. No, it's great to have Fia as a member of the team. Um, she brings a lot of different energy uh, and passion to, to the business. So yeah, I'm really excited. Um, I'm definitely going to try and get her on um, one of the lives soon, although I haven't told her yet, David. <laughs> but um, in the future, have. definitely, definitely, you have. She knows. She knows. <laughs> I know. Um, She's leaving the office with a bag. <laughs> She's like, oh, never mind. So, yeah, we're hiring for a new Bimbling, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, right, some questions coming in then. Um, let's have a look. about. Someone mentioned about is Ben Nevis really good for uh, yeah. training for high altitude? I'm just going to look for that question again. Right, because so Warren, uh, Warren Anthony yeah. Day said, is Ben Nevis good preparation for EBC? Um, I think so, yeah. I think it's pretty good, actually. There mm -hmm. are a lot of things on Ben Nevis that are sort of similar to the EBC trail. Um, ben Nevis is like a big wedge of a mountain, so it's not very steep, so to speak, but it is stepped and rocky, so the terrain is actually quite similar. Um, the one thing about Ben Nevis, I would say, I, I, I did Ben Nevis last July, it was an amazing thing, but it was it's very busy, especially if you go up what they call the tourist trail, which is like yeah. the, the standard trail, it's very, very busy. Um, I actually went up the CMD route, and it was only myself and um, four of my friends that were on that route, so. Once you go up there, um, you go up about a third of the way, then you shoot off to the left up to the mountain hut and go along the ridge up past the north face. I would say if you go in, make sure you bring someone with you. If you do the CMD route, um, someone that knows it and has done it before. Um, yeah. Otherwise, there are loads of Munros up that neck of the woods that you can go hiking on. But, um, yeah, I think just in terms of the terrain, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think Sinead has, met, has put a few there um, who is, it was obviously knows Scotland really well. Um, in terms of, the, I, I want to say some of these, but I know I'm going to get them wrong. So I'm just going to leave them there. So if, if you do want to sort of Google any of these peaks, I've, um, I mean, Glencoe is fantastic. Dave, I know we did the Glencoe Challenge last year. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of peaks there which you can climb in rows. Um, and i got to get this right because I, I was told off by my Scottish friends, I keep calling valleys, not glens. So I, I, I kept getting mm -hmm. corrected there. Um, but yeah, so there's plenty of glens uh, to go walking in, and it's great. I think ultimately, if you're going on a trip like Everest Base Camp, Killy, Machu Picchu, Tupacar, wherever you're going to go, um, you know, Island Peak, even uh, Mera Peak, it's just about getting the time spent out in the mountains. It doesn't have to be anything technical, it's just getting out there, pack on your back, doing some mileage, building the strength in your legs, enjoying the mountain time, and just getting used to it. Like, I, I've noticed a few comments here around. You know, do I do I need to cool down before I change layer? Do you know it, it can be quite complicated, but keep it nice and easy. If you're, you know, if if you're getting too hot, take something off. If you're getting too cold, put something on. Yeah, um, I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, your your body knows where it's comfortable. So I think that was Haley uh, that asked that. Haley Lou Brimble said, if walking in just a basic way you get hot, yeah, okay, yeah. When you stop for a rest, is it important to layer up uh, in order to cool down? So I think 
yeah, you know when you you know your grandmother always says, you know, like you're you know, when you like sweat in and you cool down to put something on. Personally, when I'm really hot and I stop for a rest, um, if someone tried to put a jacket on me, that's when the fight would break out. <laughs> Basically, what I do is like, and you know, sometimes feeling cold after a hot day's trekking can be almost pleasant. But what I do is like Andy Disever, keep it simple. I let my body make the decision for me. If I'm hot, I'll stop and cool down. The moment I start feeling like my skin is cold, you know, because of the evaporation of the sweat and stuff, then I might put a jacket on then just to prevent me getting like a chest cold or anything like that. But, you know, there's nothing, um, you know, although the layering system itself is quite scientific, it's based on a human body, which, you know, is, you know, the seven and a half billion of us were all different. You know, but I think Andy says, keep it simple. Listen to your body. If you're cold, put something yeah. on to stay warm. If you're warm, take something off to stay cool. Um, and there are lots of different men. Like I run hot. So most of my knowledge is about trying to stay cool. You know, staying warm is easy. I just put my down jacket on. When I try and stay cool, the merino wool base layers are really good about that. Um, sun hats and keeping my head out of the sun will keep you a lot cooler and stop you sweating so much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there are some big things like that that make a huge difference. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I think as well as it, like like you said, Dave, you run hot. I run a bit sort of cooler, so I don't sweat as much as Dave. So we are different. You know, there's sometimes that I've got layers on and Dave's just wearing a t-shirt. You know, yeah. um, so it, it depends on depends on you really. Um, and 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 again, as I said earlier about getting out there before you go on a big trek is just spending time in the UK or, you know, whatever, you know, cause we, we get a lot of ever trackers from the U S now, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa. In yeah. the and it's just getting out there and, and, and seeing what works for you. Um, you know, it's good. Like sometimes I'll, I'll take, you know, if, if we're going down what we actually take, like say on a, an average day. So I'll have a base layer, um, you know, which they call it as other people call it your skin layer. Um, I'll have, um, you know, a, a fleece, um i'll then have maybe a, a windbreaker which is basically something to just keep the wind off i'll have a waterproof and as a last resort i'll also have my down jacket in there because the down jackets you know they do scrunch quite down really well they're really light but you know if it does get chilly if you do get cold if the weather comes in if maybe you take longer than planned and maybe you're coming down in the dark you've got something just to uh, you know keep you um keep you warm yeah. um, and that is pretty much what you need on Everest Base Camp for Killy Killy on summit night uh, surprises some people it's colder than people think especially if it's windy so like something I, I, I never really do is hike in my down jacket it's just too warm if anything I'll hike with a base layer a mid-range which is a you know a fleece then my waterproof just you know it's Gore-Tex so it kind of works that way for me uh, but the down jacket, but actually on Killy, because it was so damn cold, I had the, the down jacket and I had my waterproof over my down jacket. I've never done that. Yeah. But, you know, again, it's good to have it with you and it's not exactly a lot of weight to carry just in case it's um, you need it. Yeah, we should say as well that some part of layering that often gets sort of overlooked as well is yeah. looking at your extremities as well. So hands, head, feet. So, yeah. again, I tend to use a lightweight um, merino uh sock or something like that so because my feet get hot and sweaty and swell so i think a lightweight is fine for me um i yeah. did notice that Haley said she thinks of wool is itchy yeah merino wool is not your typical sort of 1930s yes. farmer's woolly jumper or like one of those itchy blankets it's not like that at all it's like yeah. um, normally there it's a blend between merino wool and synthetic stuff it's really soft 
Um, and I do actually have some synthetic ones, some RAB ones as well that are really mega lightweight. They're almost like if you hold them up, you can see the sun go through them. Merino wool, I, I find, though, just gets the best out of me because I sweat a lot. So what I'm mostly concerned with when I'm trekking is getting that sweat off my skin because yeah. then that'll keep me relatively stable when I cool down. Um, but also, yeah, gloves, they were key on Killy. So um, I actually had some Montaigne. They were like little down jackets, Prima Loft for your hands. I think it's called Prima Loft. Prima was that the gloves you used? That's the gloves I were, yeah. yeah. And they were yeah. brilliant. But, you know, having something to go up over your mouth and nose as well, because we all had, like, icicles on our moustache and beards and stuff, you know, so. Well, well, the ladies didn't, but <laughs> it was still damn cold. Yeah, we were quite lucky uh, with these beards sometimes because, um, you know, it can get quite chilly, which is why the Evertrek buff is so useful. Yeah. Um, you know, when we, if, and another thing, obviously, you've got all these, all these layers, but one of the most important things, especially at high altitude, is maintaining your, um, you know, your, your body, if you like. And, and a part of that is looking after your core. So whether that's a hat, whether that's a buff, and whether that's, you know, this bit here, um, you know, unless you're Hasselhoff over here, um, who likes to have his, his chest air out, um, you know, then you <laughs> actually, I can't say anything because I know I do it as well. Um, but yeah, it's looking after the core because, you know, you don't want to catch a cold. It's always, you know, we've, we've caught colds at a high altitude. It's not nice. It's not pleasant. Yeah. Um, you know, so make make sure you're maintaining the your, your health um, by looking after the core is is massively important. Like some people, I don't really wear them, but you've got gilets um, just to look after here because your arms and legs kind of look after themselves sometimes. But it's your your torso and your core that can get really cold. So I know I, I do see some people wearing like a down gilet or maybe a windbreaker gilet just to sort of you know look after the core a bit. Um, Patrick has asked a good question, actually. Any advice? Hey, Patrick, um, I haven't seen you on the lives before, so thanks for joining us. Uh, any advice if getting too hot when it's sunny or how to keep cool? Dave? Um, yeah, Patrick, I think I'm the same as you, and I think I saw Paula Reed say she can't wear a dang jacket as well because she runs too warm, but she's bringing one for Killy just in case. Right, Patrick, this is like my biggest problem when I go trekking is that I run seriously hot. I'm hot now. <laughs> you know, um, it is warm today, it is. So, yeah, to be honest, you have to kind of start looking after yourself. So with layering is is, is how I manage it. Yeah. So I'll always, when I trek, I'll have like probably a second base layer in my bag. So I'll start off with a really lightweight base layer. Um, you know, trekking shorts are always a good answer. Basically, it's about stripping off as much as you can. But whilst also, you know, sheltering yourself in some key areas. So one of the things I always do, Andy laughs at me as I wear like, you know, the bucket sun hat um, by wearing the bucket, Yeah, by wearing that like um, so it's an OR outdoor research um, bucket hat is what it is. Um, yeah. It makes a big difference. It keeps the sun off your head and keeps your head cool. And that goes a long way to making you feel a lot better. Um, but it's all about layering. So I'll never wear like a heavy, heavy base layer, but I'll always have one in my bag just in case. Nice. Um, yeah, so that's probably the biggest thing that I can say. I actually weirdly, Lauren mentioned earlier she was on Amazon looking for a desk fan, and she found this um, like a a band that goes around your neck that fires air into your face. Really? So, um, wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to be honest, I'm intrigued, and I'm going to look into it. Uh, <laughs> because, uh, I mean, it might dry your eyes out a bit, but I think um, yeah, I have seen some like um, cool T-shirts as well. So um, they're actually designed to keep your body cooler and things. I've not used them, and I think they're crazily expensive. I know Nike had one. Um, but, yeah, look into that. I also, just to 
Paula, you will definitely need a down jacket for Killy. So I had one. Um, the only time I wore it was on summit day, but without summit day, on it, without my jacket on summit day, honestly, I probably would have turned around. Yeah, uh, it was like it was that cold. So it was um, cold, isn't it? Yeah. So definitely bring one. Nice. Uh, yeah, I know Jerome, um, who's, who's, who's on the live as well, and always on the live. It's always great to see you on the live, Jerome. Uh, mentioned his GNA was super useful um, on Killy, and I think yeah, um, if you're going to take, if you're going to look after. Um, you know your core agile is is a, is a go-to um uh, option some really good questions coming in though guys um laura has asked um let's have a little look where's laura there she is laura's asked is layering up at night recommended yeah it's um again it's it's, it's what whatever works for you um like i know some people can like especially on the everest base camp trek or in the everest region when you stay in at tea houses and lodges they're actually surprisingly warm as you do get higher, it does get a bit colder. We're not, you know, not going to lie to you, but um, sometimes if you're in like your um, your sleeping bag or your liner, some people do like to just go skins. You know, just wear your, your pants or, or knickers and 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 you know skin out, um, and because it, it can be quite warm. And then other people will wear maybe like a, a little sort of layer, uh, whether that's like long johns. Um, but as you get higher. Lots of people then tend to uh, wear everything that they're going to wear in the day. It's almost like your trekking suit. So you literally get out of bed and you're already dressed. Because it's so cold, you're kind of wearing your clothes in bed. Um, it is what it is. And, you know, we've all done it. And, uh, it, I, you know, you're not going to be on your own if you do that. Um, because it can get chilly. And if the if you know sleeping bag you've got isn't quite up to it or it's just a really cold night, um you know it does happen and some some nights are colder than others depending on what time you go yeah wear your trekking suit i think that'll do you that'll do you good yeah i mean we're talking about like base camp in uh october when we woke up and there was like ice on the windows and yeah. Like that. i literally sort of unzipped my bag moved my feet off the bed into my trekking boots and i was like right ready to go that's how great, that's how great i was i didn't notice someone say layering up thought it was spooning Lewis, whatever happens in the mountain stays on the mountain. Mate. So um, you do what you need to do to stay warm. Um, you know, body heat will get you out of uh, <laughs> get you out of some situations. Don't forget Good you. point, though, Dave. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm not spooning. Just, uh, just letting you know. Well. Let's see how cold it gets first, mate. <laughs> very good, very good. Um, no, no. Some. Uh, I think Lauren um, Social Yeti's put the little link there to um, to that rechargeable uh, traveling fan um just if anyone's interested definitely have a little look uh but yeah it's the same with um you know with, with killy as well isn't it I, I, it can be quite cold in the evenings but during the day it's just super warm isn't it it was when we were there yeah i think in um february during the like in the mornings in the evenings it was a little bit cold not crazy yeah. you know like nothing like i've experienced um you know in the uk really except for summit night Summit night was freezing, but that was because it was dark, it was windy, we were at nearly 6,000 metres, so it's going to be cold, you know, that's a given. But yeah, most times it was okay, relatively comfortable. I think like anything, though, is very changeable. Um, yeah. you know, like Andy mentioned earlier, even in the UK, we can get all four seasons in a day. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what you should prepare for, you know, because no one knows exactly what the weather's going to do in the Himalaya or on Kilimanjaro or anywhere, really. Um, it can change on a six. So I think... Um, you know, that's why I always have a, a little bit of backup in my bag. The, the things these days, like base layers and fleeces, they don't weigh much. They pack down quite small. So yeah. putting them in the bag is no biggie. 
Um, you know, so that's that's generally what I'll always do. I also like have a routine where if it's raining, I'll put a spare base layer in my bag and then halfway through the day, I'll sweat, I'll literally get changed and put a dry one on. It makes you feel incredible, <laughs> you know, putting on something dry when everyone else is soaking. So, um, yeah. Very good, very good. Well, while we're talking about spoons, I think Laura is um, advertising for one for her trip. So anyone that's kind of interested, um, not that we're um, a connected agency or anything like that, uh, go ahead. Anyone comment? I'm sure Laura will be able to well, say Laura. You are braver than me putting that. Okay. <laughs> I, know, that's good. I apologize in advance for any sort of direct messages you get after this. <laughs> um, Jerome's had a, a good question, actually. And um, I think I, I, Jerome, I did see, I think you might have put this in the group um, around the, the bladder, that um, the Osprey bladder. I've actually used that one. Uh, they're very good. It's, um, I mean, I've had mine for a few years now. So it's, you know, it is, I, I am due a, a, an upgrade, but um, they do last for a while. Um, so yeah, perfect for your, for your trip um, uh, in October uh, next year. Um, there's, you know, there's there's many around, you know, in terms of bladders and things. I think the Osprey ones are definitely some of the best. I've used Osprey, I think one, um, is it called a, is it the, the platypus? Is it the Camelback? They have their own version. Yeah. But yeah, mine's two and a half litres. Works fine. I've used it on Everest Base Camp Killy. So yeah, Jerome, you, you won't go far wrong. If you if that's what, you've, uh, that what you're going to order, go for it. Um, I know Dave, the second product you've asked there about the Anchor Power Core. Yeah, uh, yeah generation that is, but they're good. Yeah, so I've got that 20,001. I, to be honest, I'd be inclined because you're not going um, till October 2021, is to wait and hang out for the 26,800. Um, normally they're 49.99, but you can get them, um, they're always on offer about four or five times a year where you can get them for 30 pounds. Yeah. And the, the the difference is is quite a lot, you know. It's it's a bit of a beast in terms of its size and everything. But it like I've bought two of those, and I charge my phone every day, and I use it a lot, and it lasted the whole trip. For instance, I didn't even have to charge my phone in Kathmandu, you know, like from the wall socket. I just use those things. Yeah. Um, so my advice would be, yeah, hang fire um, and wait until like if two weeks before you go, you still haven't caught a deal, order the twenty thousand one hundred. But you know, hold fire. That's a lot of power in that as well. You're talking six, seven phone charges in there. They're, yeah. they're really good now. They're well, really... I've got, I think I've got six of them now because yeah. I keep buying them whenever they're on offer. No, five because I, I think I gave one to you, man. But then word gets out on the hill that you've got these things. And then before you know it, I'm charging cameras and phones. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, when we do have the the store that's, um, I mean, just to put out there, because I know you, you, you're kind of looking for these things, um, you know, over the coming uh, weeks and months, when we're updating the store on the uh, the members area, um, these products will be showing in there as well. So um, definitely have a little look. Uh, you know, obviously it's up to you. Go for it. Uh, as Dave said, it's, it's kind of one of those things you can get nearer the time, especially because they're constantly updating them to new specs, um, you know. Uh, but they do the job. If you're going to get them now and there's a good deal, why not? Um, Niaz put a good question, actually, around um, uh, down jackets, uh, around the rating and, um, you know, You've got maybe a casual version. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, with, with down jackets, we have done um, a whole Tuesday tune-in, and we've also done podcast episodes. I think if Lauren can maybe copy the um, the link to those, it uh, just goes in a, a bit more depth. But just to answer your question while we're on here, yeah, with, with regards to the down jacket you need uh, for Everest Base Camp, um, you know, you can get away with like a six to 700 fill. Um, you've got something like uh, the Rab Microlite Alpine springs to mind. That's kind of the 
I'd say uh, low to mid range in terms of the heat. Then you've got uh, the one that Dave's got, which is the uh, is it the Mountain Equipment Light Line? That's jacket? it. Yeah, really good jacket because it's um it's not it's not one that you'd probably want to wear casually because you do look like a you know yeah. the mass <laughs> mountain man, but. Yeah. It's definitely warm and it's a really good price for what you get as well. So it's usually on offer between 190 and 220, the maintenance equipment light line. I think that's the best sort of one you can get at the moment that's sort of in that price range. You can go crazy on down jackets. Um, and I've known people yeah. spend six, seven hundred pounds on them. It's not necessary to go to that extent for trips like Tupcal, EBC, or Tanzania. But I probably would recommend getting something a little bit like the light line, you know, something with a yeah. with a big puff. Because remember, this isn't we want to stay warm when we put them on. We only put them on when we need them and yeah. we want them to do the job, I think. I've used a lighter one before. I had the Montane one. Which yeah, is, they're really nice. Yeah, they're really nice jackets. Aren't yeah, they? so that, that was okay, but probably on the cusp of what I would have liked. You know, any colder and I probably wouldn't have got on with it, I think. It just, just kept me warm enough. But the, the light line, really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of those, um, I mean, yeah, it's good, you know, Big question because there's a, we could go on about down jackets. I mean, all day, but yeah, it, it's one of those things that um, you know, if you want to spend say two, three hundred pound on a jacket just for your trip, and then you don't wear it because it's like I said, it doesn't look casual, and also maybe it's too hot for the UK. Yeah. Because that's one thing um, I've had, I've got a really thick jacket. They don't sell it anymore. Um, I bought it. Uh, I think it was back in 2015. I think it's called the Rab Infinity Endurance Pro Endurance. Uh, they've got different variants of it now. Um, and it's an awesome jacket. I love it. I've sent it to Rav, had it repaired because I just, I just love it. Um, but the fact is, I don't really wear it much in the UK because it's just too big. It's too warm, you know. Unless it's the real depths of Scotland in winter, and you know, it is in my bag yeah, because it's so light. But I hardly wear it, you know. So you've got to kind of justify that to yourself. Whereas if you buy one that's more, uh, how do we say it? You know, you know, you can use it maybe in the autumn and the spring as well um you know uh maybe it's worth thinking around that but yeah any any specific ones it's always good um you know yeah drop us a line uh, if you want to email us info at evertrek.co.uk or anything like that um yeah. just drop us a line always drop in the group as well niaz um high altitude evertrekkers because uh, i know people who you who've come on our trips people who are going on our trips um you know obviously us uh you know we, we do look at the, the posts on there as well um yeah if you've got any specifics you're like guys what do you think I'm gonna buy it just uh just drop it in there yeah, I think, think Lauren posted up about something we've written about it before as well by the looks yeah. of it. I mean, so that's awesome. Um, I did notice someone asked a question then, uh, Kirsty, do I keep the power bank in my pack during the day when I'm hiking? No, too heavy. Just an unnecessary weight, really. As long as you charge it and it's fully charged in the morning, most days, like, you'll, you're not trekking for that long. You know, like, seven, eight hours is probably the maximum. Yeah. Um, unless it's like summit day on Kili or Everest base camp day. The big focal point of the trip is usually a long day. Um, but even then, my phone will last plenty enough, you know. So, um, yeah, no, I leave it I leave it back in the duffel bag and I get it when I go back to the room um, they're, because they're quite weighty, um, at least probably a kilo, I think, maybe. It weighs about as much as a – no, maybe half a kilo, something like that. About half, yeah, about the weight of a half a litre of water, I think, is about the – power bank weight so now yeah some of them can be quite dense can't they but uh dave rimmington dave always great to see you on the live um you've asked a question actually i don't think we've had um on all these i think this is our 20th q a now that we've done um since the beginning of lockdown uh apart from getting my fat head down uh the tire and dave what else is there to do in the evenings it's a really good question actually 
Um, yeah, it's, it's one of those, and you're right. If you are, if you have got the energy, depends where you are. Um, the first couple of days, you know, you're quite low down. You might feel a bit perky, and you're going into. I mean, for instance, if we're talking about Everest Base Camp here uh, or the Everest region, you've got Namche. Namche is 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 the largest village in the area of the Everest region, and there's got they've got heaps of bars and uh, heaps of places and like coffee shops, restaurants, uh, cafes where you can hang out. Um, you know, if you've got the spare time, and on, on some of the days, like the acclimatization day, uh, you know, if you head into Everest Space Camp, um, you know, you've got some time in the afternoon. You can go there. There's loads of trekking shops. The Irish pub's always good, although we do recommend you do that on the way down. Yeah. Um, we know lots of ever trekkers haven't and do it on the way up. But, you know, you're adults. It's up to you. But uh, we're always talking about leave the alcohol to the way down. Um, but, yeah, so you can go there. You can go to a cafe, eat uh, some German bakeries, some pool halls. Um, it's actually quite hard playing pool at a high altitude, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, exactly. I, I, we had a game of snooker in Dingboche, yeah. and um, it felt like a bit of a, you know, like a full combat sport, basically, you know, getting up and down to take the, take the shot. But to one thing I think, you know, cards, there's for some reason, Arcades, I, yeah, yeah. If I have ever been on, there's a um, sports direct pack of cards flying around. Um, but yeah, you could be the Nepalese game Dumbo, so you can speak to the guides and stuff, and they'll teach you that. You know? Uh, Uno is really popular on Kilimanjaro when I went there. There were pl plenty of rays about Uno. Um, <laughs> uh, to be honest, yeah, it's up to you. Like most times when I arrive at a new place, so I'll like uh, get back to the room, freshen up a little bit, have something to eat, then go for a walk, you know, just have a little look around the village. I'm a big believer in like an active rest at altitude. So yeah. when you get to a new uh, a new point, you know, even if you feel a bit rough and a bit tired, I think getting up and moving around, yeah, good point. Um, you know, helps. So just going for a little exploration, see the shops. Um, like Andy said, most of the places you stop at have bakeries and stuff. If you're on Kilimanjaro and you're just going from camp to camp, have a walk around the camp, take some pictures. Yeah. Uh, most of the time you've probably spent in, the, in like the mess tent playing cards, <laughs> exchanging war stories, showing pictures, you know, that type of thing um yeah so you'll you'll know what to do you'll fall into it mate don't worry about that yeah you'll enjoy it i and it, you know i've been on trips where i've it's just me um you know before starting the, the business i kind of went on my own um and yeah it's certainly nice when you've got the group there to kind of have the banter with the energy and the card games and things but you know i, I did um I, i've always been quite into my travel writing so for me, I did a journal, I did a, I did a blog. So if, you, if you're into that, it's quite cool in the evenings just to spend an hour writing about your day, how you felt, what you saw, um, what you experienced, who you met, um, you know, how you feel at the time. You know, just to sort of document. I know lots of Evertrekkers keep journals of the day-to-day -day thing so they can look back on it. Um, yeah, just something else that you can, you can do. But I think most of the time, yeah, you, you're going to be knackered um, after some of the days. So, uh, yeah, fair news if you do. Ramona has said uh, Herman's Bakery in Nacho is really good. Um, I've never been to Nacho. Oh, Namchi, brilliant. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Okay, I was thinking, Dave, did you say that wrong? <laughs> no, I, 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 I was going to I was gonna tease her about it, but then she corrected herself, so I thought I'll let her off on that one. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so um, awesome. I did notice, um, just on layering again, Tamarin has asked, uh, with regards to fleeces, is a 285 GSM fleece too big? Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that, yeah. I normally go for like a hundred weight, something like that. Yeah. I like a lightweight one. So normally there's like a hundred, two hundred, three hundred. So two eight five, three hundred. I think that's it. Might be a bit overkill, but it depends on if you like to stay warm or not. Like I know yeah. some people that 
or wear a down jacket and one and a 300 weight fleece and they'll be like oh this is lovely and i'll be looking at them like you're crazy but um yeah it's about you know remember it's not one thing that fits all um in terms of like your comfort level so it's about getting some experience so you need to go out and hike and train anyway so you know get a fleece try it work it out see if it works for you when you're in the mountains and um and you'll get a feel for what you like i sort of just go out every day you know not every day but i try to go out as often as i can um and yeah that's that's, that's how i learned what worked for me yeah um i think we got laura asked about socks as well um yeah important layer for the feet so yeah good point for for bringing that up um so any recommendations for those with cold feet um or just to get a decent thick pair yeah i mean with, with socks you know if you ever go to go outdoors or you're looking online there's so many different um options out there um i i always stick to to kind of the ones i know like i use merino wool quite a lot um you know unless you're you're kind of allergic to it or anything really good socks because even if you sweat they kind of it kind of wicks away the sweat so you don't get damp feet um they have levels so if you ever go into I go outdoors, Cotswood Outdoors, Ellis Brigham, you know, um, wherever you go to Decathlon, wherever they sell socks, you'll see that they have ones for like trekking. They have ones for like winter, you know, to kind of lean on that as well, give you an idea, um, you know, because I know there's varying different levels. And again, it's, um, you know, like Dave, I, I know that you don't really like too thick, do you? Because then you sweat. I tend to buy, so for me, like um, I'll use like a lightweight pair. I like um, smart wool, a really good, uh, wool, yeah. quite expensive. Anything merino wool is quite expensive, by the way. But I've learned over time that it's worth the money if you want to invest it, you know, in something like that. So I always use uh, icebreaker or smart wool boxer shorts, um, smart wool or Bridgedale merino wool socks, um, and um, icebreaker um, base layers. Now, like I said, they're crazy expensive. You know, you can buy probably two or three normal base layers for the price of one, but it'll last two or three times longer. It's antimicrobial, so it doesn't yeah. um, stink, you know, and uh, yeah, so that's what I recommend. I think the Bridgedale ones, like I said, I'm not a gear snob, you know, so I don't really like, I don't want to go for the best and most expensive all the time, but, you know, I've tried these base layers before, and if you're still soaking wet at the end of the day after you've been stood still for an hour, then that you're going to get cold, your core's going to yeah. get cold. With merino wool, I've noticed that, you know, it, it's dry within sort of half an hour of stopping. And that means my skin is dry. It means that all the moisture has come off my skin, through the base yeah. layer, evaporated into the air. Um, and yeah, that's great. I did notice just, by the way, someone asked about a, um, a Gurkha Kukri knife, and that just caught my attention. What <laughs> I bet that did. I was, I, where is that? That's probably towards the bottom, right? Um, Lauren's passage to me. So bright. All oh, right. Okay. See. Yeah. I, I thought they were going to ask like, should a Gurkha knife be part of my kit? But it was Brian uh, Brian Griss asking, what's the bottle behind me? Is it a Gurkha Kukri? So um, it is. Yeah. So this was a gift from Anuj, uh, head of, uh, head of operations in Nepal. Um, it's a, it's actually a bottle of um, Kukri rum. It's upside down there. So yeah. You so, need to drink that. Yeah. Uh, so it's a coronation uh kukri rum um haven't tried that before, it's, right? it's such a nice thing to have so it it's kind of sits there and uh, one day i'll drink it i think maybe when i've summited everest i'll come back and neck that bottle <laughs> yeah yeah definitely it's, it's worth isn't it um some other questions coming in here guys uh actually one 
I, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this one up because uh, where is it? I think it's Chris. Hey, Chris. Um, yeah, cheers for for your message um, about November um, this year. I think uh, you know will it go ahead? I know you've heard a lot of different things. Yeah, we've um, I mean, we've had countless meetings over with our team in Nepal because we know Nepal's quite challenging at the moment uh, with regards to one their, their airport still isn't open and it was due to open in six days uh, and they pushed that now to the end of the month. It's not a good sign. Uh, by doing that also you know with regards to um, the PCR tests on arrival so even if you get one in the UK and you're allowed on the plane and you're allowed through and you're allowed then to get a visa um, you've still got to then have um, you know your another test um, and then isolate at uh, your hotel so our hotel for at least six days that's what we've been seeing from the communication um, so yeah there's, there's a lot of factors at the moment I know uh, we've, we've got in touch with everyone in the autumn already. Um, and Chris, it's, it's, it's always tough to give you like a definitive final answer. Personally, I think it's going to be challenging. I know we've, we've offered people rescheduling. I think about 75% of people now are rescheduled because of it. Um, I know you really want to go. And look, we're, we're like you. We, we want to get back to the mountains. We want to get trekking again. And it's, um, you know, it's not easy. Um, but, you know, the one thing we, we need to kind of remind ourselves that the mountains aren't going anywhere. Um, we yeah. will before long next spring will be here. Um, you know, we were kind of hoping there's done by then, but we kind of, we're all in the same boat, really. We're all kind of like, what do we do? Um, you know, we, we've tried to be as flexible as we can, Chris, which is why we've said, you know, look, if you want to reschedule because of the uncertainty, then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll remove all the barriers for you to do that. Yeah. Um, think, you know, um... yeah, we've, we've, we've put on the website as well, sold out is that we, we don't really want anyone booking into, a trip with this uncertainty, which is why we've done that. Okay. Plus, plus they are sold out. I think Chris, if you want to drop us an email, email into um, info at evertrek.co.uk. Um, you know, we can have a chat and stuff like that because there's a lot of conflicting information, as Andy said, you know, so yeah. landing on one decision is difficult, but what we're very keen for everyone to know is what we know, you know, so full transparency, you know what we know when we know it, um, so you're able to make an informed decision um, about your trip as well. Um, Nepal has gone back into lockdown, or at least Kathmandu has at the moment. Um, the flights were due to be scheduled at the beginning of August, then the 17th of August, and now it's been pushed to the 31st of August. I expect that'll go pushed again. This is the nature of Nepal. Um, they're, they're probably over-optimistic at the moment on what they consider possible. Yeah. I think also I, I spotted something earlier, which I think, um, you know, that there's a company out there now in Nepal saying that they can do PCR tests and turn them around within like 24 hours and yeah. things like that. I would urge caution with taking that stuff as red. Yeah. My main concern with that is that I don't think that's going to be possible. We can't do it in the UK, you know, so um, yeah, and that's exactly. they only have one hospital really that can support that type of thing in Kathmandu. They're going to be servicing tests for not only tourists, but also um, the Nepalese people that are going through the, the COVID issues. Um, and also, if you go to Nepal and you rely on that 24-hour turnaround, and that's what you've booked your flights around, and it doesn't happen, then you no longer can hit, hit, hit your EBC schedule, you know? So unfortunately, your trip's sort of been destroyed. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think um, email us in, we'll give you all the information you can. I think realistically, Andy, I think we're probably saying things are tough at the moment. Yes. Maybe too tough to run a season. We don't have anything definitive, but like I said, you'll know what we know when we know it. 
Yeah, well, we'll we'll definitely update you, Chris. I mean, we always do. Um, you know, I, I know we you've sent out some emails, and we want to be as uh, open and honest uh, as possible, and just let you know all the information that we know. Um, you know, we don't hide anything from you guys. Um, you know, we uh, you're our treasured community, so we you know, we want to make sure that um, you know we do the best for you. Um, and yeah, we'll definitely update you as soon as we can. Um, hundred percent. Um, but yeah, great to, to have you all on anyway. And there's, there's some heaps more questions coming through. There's um, one really good question on there. I really okay. like because um, it, it would always get a good response. So, hey, uh, Hillary Caldwood, um, the people that don't make it up to Killy or EDC, do we find it's most, most often because of altitude sickness or being too cold and mentally unprepared? Yeah, it's a tricky Same one. Question. So we have we've answered this one before. I think we called it like the five percent that don't make it because we have about a ninety-five percent success rate across all of our trips. It's probably a little bit higher than that, but let's call it ninety-five. And um, so there's about five percent of people that go to base camp and they don't make it. First thing I want to say is that I think the industry standard is around seventy yeah. percent. So um, you know it can be improved if you do things correctly. I think the reasons are, are broad. Um, I think most of the time it's probably due to an overall fatigue. So very few people are struck down with like acute mountain sickness and, you know, cerebral edema and those things. That's very rare on a base camp trip. It's more altitude affects the body in a lot of different ways. One of those ways is that it makes you, you know, you don't sleep as well. You might be not drinking enough. You might be getting tired or maybe you've got a little bit of a dodgy belly. And it's normally a lot of different things that accumulate that, that you know, reach, get a person to the point where they don't want to go on or they feel they can't go on. What I do say is that I think as long as you're open and honest with the guides about how you're feeling at the exact moment you start feeling it, yeah. almost all those reasons that people turn around, uh, uh, you know, you can deal with. You know, it's very rare few that get to a point where they just physically can't go on. But um, certainly, I think all of the above, what you've mentioned, you know, if you go on un completely unprepared mentally, you yeah. know, you haven't got the mindset to be able to, you know, you haven't got the mindset for a challenge. You're looking for an easy an easy win. EBC and Killy are not easy wins. You know, you have to dig deep and, you know, channel some grit to get through it. Um, so that can happen. We had one person turn back from homesickness, you know. Some people get out there and they realize it's not for them. And I fully support that. You know, it doesn't mean they're less of a person. It doesn't mean they're less capable than anyone that does make it. It means that they found something out about themselves on the trip. And I'm all for that. Um, personally, I think if you've got a sense of adventure, a sense of humor and a willingness to learn about altitude and what to do, then you're already armed with 99% of everything you need to get to, to get to the summit of Kili or get to EBC. Yeah, no, yeah, really, really well put there, Dave. I think it's right. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, as always, I'll always focus on the mental stuff, just because that's where, like, as Dave said, if if you if you're up for a challenge, then um, then game on. You know, uh, Killy, EBC, Machu Picchu, wherever you want to go, it's there. And um, but these these trips aren't easy. Um, but you know, once you once you do them and, and you experience it, you'll you'll love it. But yeah, uh, very good question, Hillary. I love, I love questions like that. So. I know someone just answered because I, I want to bring it up just before we miss it. I believe I think it was, yeah, Graham. Um, I'll, I'll tackle this one because it's. Uh, I think Jerome may have dropped it in earlier, and I think um, Jerome, a big part of our Evertrekker community um, in the group as well, mentioned about solar power banks. I've um, we say this a few times, and I haven't really seen any that are any good, unless you're spending high-end money on um, sort of professional-grade solar chargers. 
Um, I don't think they're worth buying. Just do the ones, the Anchor Power Bank we talked about earlier. Uh, Lauren, I, I believe you might have a link to that. The Anchor Power Bank that Dave uses, um, that's the one that we recommend. It's not solar, but once you charge it at the beginning, it'll last you for much, most of your trip. And you can always get two. Um, so definitely sort of check that out. Yeah. Uh, what's your other questions, Dave? Any of you spot? I think oh, Paula. Paula's got a good question here. I don't wear base layers in Scotland. Do you think it's advisable on Killy? Yes. Yes. You should wear them in Scotland, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like normal t-shirts like this, you know, they they don't keep you warm or insulated or anything like that. They're fine on like a warm day, I guess, um, as long as you're starting in the warm and you're finishing in the warm. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've been up. Um, I do most of my hiking in Brecon and. I've started the day where it's it's like today, beautiful, glorious sunshine. Yeah. And then by the end of the day, it's really cold. And if you've only got a t-shirt like this on, you're gonna it's gonna be really cold. So I personally recommend getting some base layers. Yeah. I mean, like I said, don't go out and buy you know the craziest, most expensive base layers because they can be like 120 quid each. Not needed. Start and figure out what works for you. The first base layers I ever took to Everest Base Camp were bought from Aldi. Um, and I will say they were good for one trip to base camp. And then afterwards they weren't, they, you know, I upgraded, but that's where everyone starts, you know, so everyone starts and then you figure out what works for you. That's too hot. That's too cold. Um, you know, and then ultimately I ended up with the icebreaker ones largely because I run hot. I like to wear long sleeves and zip tops. They do exactly those type of tops and they keep me warm when I need when I'm cold and they keep me cool when I'm warm. And um and also I reckon I saw someone mention about long sleeves or short sleeves. Yeah, I always wear long sleeves. Yeah. yeah, because um for the sun, you know, so it keeps the sun off my skin so I don't yeah. burn. I'm very conscious about sunburn when I'm at altitude. Um there are some midges and things like that um in the lower altitude on Killy. I've not noticed it uh, EBC. Um but yeah, I think that long sleeves is always better. You can roll them up. But you can't yeah, take well, you, exactly. you can't pull short sleeves down. <laughs> Very good point. Is that it's actually um yeah, because I've got a mix of short sleeve and long sleeve, and it depends on yeah, the weather. Like um I think it was yeah, last weekend when I was up in Scotland, because I've got to be honest, there was a lot of midges. A lot of them. I think my, my legs were paint by numbers by the end. There was so <laughs> many. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Um, but yeah, I did have a long sleeve on and I just rolled it up. Uh, you know, once you're out and out and there's a bit of wind. Midgies go away, happy days. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's not too many sort of creepy crawlies in on Everest Base Camp. There's a few in like the jungle as you're uh, going up uh, through uh, the jungle parts of Kili. There's a few in um, on the on the sort of terrain of Machu Picchu as you're walking through the forest and the jungle there. Um, uh, you know, especially in on Kilimanjaro, you've got mozzies lower down because um, when you're in Moshi, um, you know there is malaria around. So obviously. Yeah, we do we do recommend yeah anti-malarials uh when you're out in tanzania yeah. um, and as well if you can get um anti uh, mosquito repellent um they're really uh, no not anti mosquito repellent just mosquito repellent um use that as well mosquito repellent. <laughs> that's again that's not gonna work <laughs> black pudding you know so if you put black blood all over yourself then they'll wow. But yeah, I, I did see Paula say you can do join dot the dots, and you can. And do you know that every single time you do that, it'll form the shape of a mosquito? True story. Yeah, probably. You can join the dots later than Mitch. Yeah, I certainly did that. It was hilarious. Um, but yeah, there's some uh, just going through some more questions. I think it was Dave actually. What was it about? Um, what did I ask? Your sure, uh, kukri knife, that's for sure. Dave Rimmerton. Uh, so 
Brian Grist has asked, what about trekking shirts? Um, okay. I've got one. Um, I've got a Bear Grylls one, actually, a Bear Grylls trekking shirt. So I like the look of it. Pretty good. Yeah, I'll wear it. Yeah, it's great. Um, I do find that I will sweat more in it. So yeah. I normally stick to a base layer. But yeah, I do have one. Again, find out what works for you. They are good at keeping you quite cool, actually, because they tend yeah. to be like a nice loose shirt type material, you know, so they can be really good. And you have a little chest pocket to put a pen so you look very dignified during the trip, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, someone asked as well about um, my old blog post. Yes, I think Lauren has put the link there because um, someone asked about, I, I think I might have mentioned, um, I did, used to do some travel writing. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think Lauren's put the link there. Check um, on my first experience to Everest Base Camp. I did about 10 or 11 sort of separate posts around um, my journey to Everest Base Camp. Uh, it was kind of before the, the time, if you like. Um but Lauren has put a... There's the link. I knew I was going to find it. I was looking for it then. Um, have a look at it. Yeah, it's a little bit, you know, different because uh, obviously we weren't ever trekked back then. It was a little bit different. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's relatively entertaining. So I, I highly recommend you read it if you go into Everest Space Camp just yeah. so you know what you're getting yourself in for. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's, always get good uh, good sort of feedback on that. Yeah, I do. Um, even though I'll never go up anything until they put in cable cars... I find all this very fascinating. Never say never, but he's never say never. I guarantee you can get up something. Yeah, that's my mum. Is that your mum? Yeah. That, that is Lauren's mum, yeah. Is that, yeah, is that <laughs> Bernice Carr, mum of Lauren. Hello, <laughs> Lauren. Can she get written? she ever make it, Lauren? If you like piggybacked her. Oh, this is, I met. Yes. I met before, yeah. No. Of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, welcome to the line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly now welcome B. um right we'll be on yeah but wow flown by almost an hour already mad yeah i uh, you can't see the hungry faces i've got behind my monitor <laughs> oh really yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's been great um you know we've talked about sort of layering system oh, God, it's any, there's any sort of questions that we we haven't <laughs> picked up, uh we'll certainly uh catch up after the live and, and sort of comment on them yeah. Um, as always, do drop us an email at info at evertrek.co.uk, um, you know, so we can answer any of your, your pressing questions. And also as well, don't forget to drop into the High Altitude Evertrekkers group yeah. with your questions. Um, other than that, Dave, yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, it's been a good one. Yeah, I really enjoyed this one, actually. Some um, good questions on there. It's good to see people on there. Um, I know we'll see you all again next week. Ah, Karen Bardet. Not bad, day. Eh? <laughs> Karen's been on here since the beginning of lockdown. I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, no, awesome. Yeah, it's been really good. Look forward to next Tuesday, as always. Awesome. So, I hope you enjoyed the uh, another episode of the Mountain Malarkey podcast. Um, yeah, that was something a little bit different, wasn't it, from the Tuesday tune-in? But I hope yeah. you enjoyed it. I must say, you were brilliant on that episode, Ant. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks. Now, but if, uh, if you've enjoyed it, don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. Um, you know, all these uh, podcasts we put together, the episodes, trying to reach as many people as possible. And if it's helped you, leave us a lovely review. Um, and yeah, we'll see you again next week. Yeah, all the best, guys. Bye. <laughs>